Hello, welcome back to the Silicon Sasquatch podcast. Uh, I'm your host for today, Nick Cummings, and I'm joined by Tyler Martin. Hello. And Aaron Thayer. Hi, everybody. So the three of us are gathered here to talk about uh, the Demon Souls Dark Souls series of games, uh, not just, you know, about why we like them and our different reasons for that, because that's kind of boring, but more just like there's kind of a, a strange phenomenon that happened with this series where you had a game from a Japanese developer uh, in the previous console generation kind of take critics and then consumers by surprise here in the West. While it's fair to say Demon's Souls was probably never the biggest commercial success here, uh, it certainly had an impact. It won uh, GameSpot's Game of the Year award the year it came out, and since then has uh, given birth to several sequels under the Dark Souls series name. I think for Atlas, any game that doesn't bear the Persona name that warrants reprinting is a runaway success. <laughs> yeah, for anything this esoteric that still manages to sell out and require more copies, that's uh, unexpected, almost unprecedented. So this is not your typical breakout success kind of game. This is a game that is highly technical, very long. Each one of these games takes, I'd say, a minimum of 40 hours your first time through. And they're unforgiving. There, There is a dearth of tutorials. You kind of be hard-pressed to meet anybody who knows exactly how every system works, especially in the first game. And uh, it's it's just weird trying to learn how to play them. But at the same time, that, that esoteric, that difference kind of gives it um, may help explain its success. Uh, so the three of us, you know, these games mean a lot to us. Uh, we've certainly found a lot of interesting things in them. So I guess we just sort of want to try and pick apart what makes these things, these games, uh, so distinctive and what can help explain their success. And what does that kind of say about games of this caliber at this, you know, $60 price point succeeding that defy the stereotype of, you know, you're playing it safe, Madden, Call of Duty type stuff. How is it that a hardcore RPG has found a big and growing following uh, worldwide? Your theories are welcome. <laughs> Honestly, the whole thing caught me completely off guard. Like I, when I first saw the original Demon Souls, and I remember people just going absolutely apeshit for it, both over here and back in the U.S. I mean, granted, it wasn't like a huge like fervor. This wasn't a Mario Kart situation. This was just like a very vocal group of people that were just like, you have to play this game. I have a friend over here that will literally buy you a copy if you even mention to him, like, maybe I might be interested in the Souls game. He'll just be like, here you are, play this now. It's just like, holy crap. But I, I definitely like looked at preview coverage, I looked at screenshots, gameplay videos, and I was just always like, this is obviously not for me. <laughs> uh, I looked at like the creative the creative character thing and it's just oh god that is this is an ugly ugly game in some parts and a drop dead gorgeous game in others it's really strange kind of all over the place art direction in the story I mean, i'm always very much a story driven guy when it comes to games these days and there's it's just barely even there I mean, yeah there is a story but you have to look for it you have to dig down deep for it you have to you have to really want that story yeah, off of what Tyler said, um, and Nick's, your original kind of question about what does this game <clears throat> and the series, uh, the series success kind of say about AAA, and yeah, the characters, even on the PC version of Dark Souls 2, which is a notable improvement, um, it's all still kind of an ugly game in many spots, and there's a lot of um, 
blemishes, I guess you could say. So the fact that this game has become successful without being the most polished and probably the most expensive game to be developed tells me that um, this series started and became successful uh, because it was the antithesis to a bunch of the other for lack of a better term, easy mode RPGs and action games that didn't really uh, do much other than hold the player's hand the whole time with tutorials and things like that. Like the appeal of the souls games is that they basically tell you you're fucked from the beginning and make you feel (laughs) that way. Um, which is what turned me off for a while, but we'll get into that later. Um, so yeah, man, I think what happened was demon souls came out even though this has a lineage of the Kingsfield series and some other kind of more uh, hardcore RPGs, um, it came out at a time when we were just inundated with uh, regenerating health and um, tool tips and tutorials and breadcrumb trail uh, quests, and it said, no, we're not going to treat you like a baby. You have to figure it out yourself. And even though the games aren't that polished in the beginning... Um, it just spread throughout the old school kind of hardcore community and it became a talking point with all gamers. A lot of people forget this too, but prior to Demon's Souls, from software, especially in the West, was kind of a joke. Like yeah. these were the guys that made the armored core games, which vary in quality from yeah, it's kinda okay to this is complete garbage. Why are you <laughs> making me play this? Yeah. Uh-huh. Didn't they make Chrome Hounds too? I don't know. I Did think they? so. A lot of weird stuff. Yeah. I wasn't there, really playing Xbox at that time. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of uh, quality associated with the name. They had a lineage, but yeah, you, like Tyler said, just, yeah, it's all right. When you look right. back, though, there are similarities. Like, they're both games that reward you for putting in that investment, and they're both games that can vary from this is unfair to mm-hmm. I am unfair. Like, I am so powerful, I can just obliterate anything. And that, those are games that really speak to me in a way that it, it, it's really hard for me to pin down. Like any game that maybe I start out kind of weak and things are kind of rough at first, but towards the end of the game, like I am just destroying, laying waste to everything in my path. I really enjoy that kind of power fantasy. And I think Demon Souls, at least, definitely lets you live out that, that dream towards the end of the game. As a magic user. <laughs> <laughs> That's the caveat. Because um, if you're using a short sword in that game, you're making bad decisions by the end of it. I don't, I've, I've seen people, I've known people that put in enough time and they know the game like backwards and forwards to the point where they just do those naked runs with yeah. w- whatever weapon they choose and they can still just like, I can obliterate anybody. Nothing stands a chance against me. I think that's what's uh, kind of compelling about the game concept- conceptually is that it is so heavily skill-based. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, no amount of... You can get the best equipment in the game, you can follow a walkthrough, but you still are going to get just wrecked by the average enemy if you don't take the time to learn the system, learn how to fight, how to read it, attacks, parry, dodge, all that stuff. Yeah. Well, them can actually hurt you, too, if you don't do it wisely, because enemies mm-hmm. scale to you when you enter a new area, right? That's only... I don't think that's true in... um. Dark Souls games. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think everything is pretty much static. Although you can, uh, in Dark Souls 2, uh, do a lot more to affect the difficulty of your environments. You can use these items that are one-time use that permanently make everything basically a new game plus difficulty. Um, 
while you're in your first game, and then that same logic carries over for each subsequent uh, playthrough. So the game has this uh, kind of infinite climb if you want it. Uh, I think all the games have this, a new, a new game plus mode, but um, Dark Souls 2 kind of took it further and made it so that you're kind of expected to play the game many times through if you want to see everything and kind of... I thought they all kind of had that pretense. Like I remember when I finished I Demon so. Souls 2 and I was... I had this sense of relief washed over me. I was like, oh, it's done. And then, like, there was the whole, like, text crawl of, like, do it again. I was like, no, I don't want to do it again. <laughs> you're done when we say you're done. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy because, you know, RPGs are not strangers to success worldwide. I mean, whether it's from a Western or Eastern developer, you know, Final Fantasy still sells pretty well. Mass Effect and, um, I don't know, I almost said Kingdoms, Kingdoms of Amalur, but no. Um, <laughs> Elder Scrolls. Elder Scrolls, there you go. Yeah. Like Fallout, RPGs sell well. They they are people expect them to be lengthy, you know, forty, fifty plus hours to get through, lots of customization, and the Souls games have all that, but you can't just crank the difficulty down or expect to just run a bunch of meaningless fetch quests or breadcrumb trail quests over and over until you're strong enough to just treadmill over the next boss. Right there, there are these, there are always going to be these very specific challenges and breaking points where the average player is going to get their you know the wind knocked out of them and just have to try it over and over in the souls games well they all pretty much begin with a boss explicitly there to do that yep every game it's like yeah you're kind of a weak little asshole like here's a wooden stick oh yeah that demon over there wants to murder you i was almost disappointed Damn. in uh, dark souls 2 when there was no collapsing ceiling and no boss just destroying me within the first half hour oh really that's tradition i thought it was. I think that's but... kind of why I actually finished Dark Souls 2, though. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't just, like, give you the finger right out the gate? Yeah, and that's uh, what um, gave me cold feet to the other games. I think I have um, beat maybe the first four bosses in Demon's Souls. Uh, Dark Souls, the first uh, tower gargoyle boss. Um, but I never finished those. And just so it's stated... Where my experience with it is, is I've now finished Dark Souls 2, um, and I've beaten all the bosses, but the final big ancient dragon, and I've done not the New Game Plus stuff, but farmed things after beating the game in the first time through. So, like, I've definitely played this Souls game to almost completion, short of doing a whole New Game Plus, so that one has stuck with me. I'm in the same boat, except that I, I finished Dark Souls uh, the first time around, just before Dark Souls 2 came out. Uh, I picked up Demon's Souls after I saw the praise it got years ago. Mm-hmm. thought it was kind of fascinating, but just got frustrated with how... I think at the time, I was kind of in a different mindset with games, where I didn't really want to be challenged. I just sort of wanted to feel a sense of progress. Yeah. Which is ironic, when because when you really distill down what makes these games appealing, I think it is that sense of progress and accomplishment you get from actually having to like learn something new. And push yourself to to finish these things, um, but when I came back to the series and really got into it with Dark Souls, uh, I I guess it was just the fact that it it harkened back to the earliest my earliest memories of playing the original Legend of Zelda with like these there was no hand holding no maps none of that stuff to kind of guide you you kind of just had to learn how to survive and you know pace yourself through these dungeons and you know eventually you would find a way through mm-hmm. to the end of the game and it's very similar here. Uh, except that it feels much more sophisticated, robust, and immersive. And, uh, you know, we talked about how the, the art 
is kind of janky. The character creation is a joke even still. But uh, when it comes to creating a sense of place and immersion, I don't think I've played a game as successful in a long time. I find it so odd when people compare this to Zelda. Or when really? they say... When when people compare the Soul series to Zelda, or when they say like what they want the next Zelda game to be is like more like Souls, and it's just like they are apples and oranges as far as I'm concerned. Like I've I agree with the... not making Zelda like Souls because I think that would yeah. just be crazy. But what what about it doesn't resonate with like an original Zelda mindset with you, Tyler? Well, I mean, I played the original Zelda mm-hmm. uh, fairly late. I played it after Link to the Past. I played it after probably Ocarina. It was a long. I think I played the original on the on the Game Boy Advance, and I mean I could see that there was a little bit more of a challenge just because of the way the maps works and everything. But I never found the game to be terribly difficult. And by then we can and have I, the game facts uh, pulled up on our smartphone while we're playing. True. Yeah, <laughs> and I've never been shy about like looking for <laughs> solutions, like. I value my time to the point where it's like, I'm not going to spend hours or days of my life trying to figure out a solution to this problem I'm having. If yeah. I can easily just like go on the internet and like, yo, how do I do this thing? And the internet will just be like, you do this. And I'll be like, okay, I can move on with my life now. <laughs> well, I remember being like a kindergartner or first grader trying to find my, all the dungeons, being in the game with my dad, and then realizing there was a whole second quest where everything was messed up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, God, I wish the internet existed. I can see the appeal in uh, Zelda having bosses that's not wait for weak point to expose itself, do this three times. Yeah. You know, I yeah. think that raises a good point, though, of um, talking about at least original Zelda. Uh, I kind of agree with Nick where um, Dark Souls, when it's firing on all cylinders, it does remind me of that simpler time of exploration and gameplay focus like the first Zelda was maybe even linked to a pa- uh, link to the past but yeah you, you don't really have the systems spelled out for you you don't really know where you're going when you start out you just explore which is what happens in Dark Souls 2 at least um, mm-hmm. and you end up either failing and dying because you're trying to go to an area that you're not uh, uh, ready for or have the right equipment for or you end up making slow progress by, okay, well, this quadrant didn't work. This part of the map didn't work. I'm going to go here next. Oh, cool. That's great. I got a bomb. And Or in Dark Souls 2, I was able to unlock this gate and continue to an area now that I have this, etc. So that's kind of why I think it reminds me of the early RPGs, at least. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think when I, when I talk about that, it's, it's strictly the lack of handholding and the fact that there is a sense of true discovery because there just is nothing there to point you in the right direction. Which has its I'm ups not, and downs. I'm not sure that was totally true of at least, uh, well, demons, like all the worlds are pretty straightforward. There isn't a lot mm-hmm. of exploration yeah. going on there. You, There's a level select menu. It's very different. <laughs> well, it's not a menu. It's the hub world where you're choosing which area you want to go to. And then once you're there, at least your first time, like it's pretty straightforward path which way you're going they're they're funneling you in a very particular direction eventually you can go off and explore other areas and even with dark though like aside from the very start of the game where you can go down and just get manhandled by a bunch of skeletons i think once you're on that that track of the game seems to want you to to go on like things seem like this is the way you go like we want you to go this way it doesn't seem 
totally obtuse. I think that's fair. Well, just as a caveat, you guys, how far did you get in Dark Souls, Tyler? Because I know Aaron mentioned just getting the gargoyles, and that's about probably 5% of the game. Yeah. Oh, seriously? Yeah. Yeah, it's about the same place I went to, but yeah. uh, the reason I stopped playing is I pissed off the wrong dude, and he never stopped wanting to murder me. <laughs> oh, yeah. You should just kill him and then beg for forgiveness. There's a guy who forgives your sins. It's a weird game. I, yeah, the, the the thing I'm getting stuck on is where you say, just kill him. Oh, well, then run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then I can't get to the gargoyles. Oh, it wasn't the blacksmith, was it? No. Okay, then you're the, fine. The guy in the tower <laughs> who's on your way to go see the gargoyles. Oh. Yeah, I think I remember who you're talking about. So I go up the stairs to see the gargoyles. Have I you hear footsteps. I start running in the opposite direction. Have you Googled oh, okay. this? Have I Googled it? Yeah. <laughs> How to... Yeah, and Google says, yeah, you probably shouldn't have pissed off that dude. <laughs> Yeah, so my well, options any... were basically like either figure out a way to beat him, which would probably require me to develop some sort of skills in my brain that I haven't developed yet, or just restart the game, which I might eventually do anyway, because after I, I beat Demon Souls after I started playing Dark Souls, and since I enjoyed playing as a magic user much, much more, I'll, I'd probably just go straight up spellcaster route instead of a pyromancer. Well, actually, yeah. I I want to ask you guys that. Speaking of replaying it, I have only finished Dark Souls two, as I said. Is there any reason from you guys, or do we think it's uh, um, incremental? Each game gets better. Is there any reason to go back and play the other Souls games if I've beaten Dark Souls two? I think I so. think Demon Souls is absolutely worth it. Yeah, um, I, I haven't played most of all these games. Uh, I find that they're kind of timeless in a weird way where I don't feel like one game just completely trumps the other mm-hmm. in succession because, like, I mean, yeah, I think that Dark Souls 2 probably is the best, the most fun distillation of combat, especially for PvP out of the whole series, but they all play very similarly. They all have very different worlds in some ways to explore. and uh, They play di- similarly, but uh, especially, I don't know about Dark Souls and Dark Souls 2, but Demons and Dark have some different gameplay systems. Yeah. Like, I'm not a huge fan of the way magic works in Dark Souls, because there's no MP. It's just like, you have this many uses of the spell until you get to yeah. a bonfire. Which Interesting. Which is kind of punishing for magic users, at least really early on, when you don't have much of a repertoire of spells. So, Aaron, you played a spellcaster in two, right? Yeah, uh... Just how did you find that? Because I know that they actually made it a lot easier to get more casts, uh, yeah, or more charges. I uh, I think the allure for me as I got more proficient at Dark Souls two. Number one, um, I had a co op friend pretty much the entire game, uh, somebody who was an experienced Souls player, and that was kind of Cheer. what I needed to actually, um, at least in boss fights, oh. to the for the first few. But then you know the regular areas I go through, but. Um, I played straight up melee until pretty much the last boss, and then I switched over to using miracles. Um, and that is so overpowered, absolutely overpowered. Especially to not get into you know the the details because everybody who has played these games will know it. But um, there's a miracle spell called Greater Lightning Strike, 
And then there's one from the Covenant of the Sun, one of these factions that if you get your uh, influence with them high enough, you get a very small use spell and it just destroys everything. So once I had those couple spells and then at least with the uh, one lightning spell, several instances of it because they were pretty easy to find, I just pretty much straight murdered the last few bosses. It wasn't a challenge anymore, which actually kind of takes away the allure, and when it's stripped away of the difficulty, Dark Souls is actually not that great of an RPG, I'd argue. Well, yeah, you need that difficulty, you need that challenge. Yeah. Um, and if you're not getting that, it's, it's not a fun game, which I think is why they created this shrine at the beginning of Dark Souls 2, where you can join a covenant that prevents summons and automatically bumps up the difficulty of all enemies for your entire playthrough. Yeah. You can basically enable hard mode each time through, and you know the rewards are greater for that. But you have to be kind of a crazy person to do that. <laughs> um, it's funny because I, I used, actually was a heavy pyromancer user in Dark Souls. Uh, I also soloed that entire game with a couple of exceptions, just because by the time I got to it, nobody was really playing. Uh-huh. I completely um, soloed demons. Like the only people that I ever played with were people that were trying to murder me. Yeah, I got a fair shake, a fair share of those in Dark Souls as well. Uh, I think I one time got co-op help in a single section of demon souls and that was really helpful because i had no ranged abilities at that time and the boss was ranged i got destroyed a few times before i had gotten deep enough in the game and very comfortable in my play style and my equipment and setup and everything mm-hmm. and i remember the first time that i i killed a dude like <laughs> they're like actual <laughs> human being oh my god first time man <laughs> it was intense though and like when i did it i was like holy shit I just yeah. fucking killed that dude. Like, he came to my game, he's like, I'm going <laughs> to take your shit. And I'm like, no, you ain't. Did you, after the war, go back to his family and, and apologize and and have a vigil with them? Because you'd share that experience where you murdered someone. <laughs> God. Like a Kill Bill moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, so how... Magic was pretty easy in two. How was magic in uh, Dark Souls and Demons, Nick? I Well, again, I used... I was primarily melee, but I was... I invested a lot into pyromancy, um, and I, I mean, straight up, this is a melee series. I, I I would argue with MP, it's a little bit different. I bet you could primarily be casting spells, and you know, if you if you love your faith and intelligence, um, it's easy to get more and more spell. If casts. you start as royalty class in Demon Souls, you start with a ring that slowly regenerates your MP. Mm-hmm. And you can find rings that do that in all the games, too. So there are ways to do it. Uh, I guess it wouldn't actually be MP, but um, there are rings that give you more spell casts at the cost of HP, but significantly more. I don't, um, if it wasn't for that, though, I don't know if I would have finished Demon Souls, because as far as like RPGs of this nature go, I'm, I always tend to build towards a ranged character, like either magic or arrows or whatever. Like. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. routine like Skyrim, Fallout. Uh, yeah. if, it, if it's a class-based system, like I'm not going to choose the guy that's like, going to get up in your face with a sword. I'm going to be the guy that's like going to shoot you in the face from like 100 meters away. Yeah, when it Preferably comes to without games, being seen. When it comes to Bethesda games, I play them the exact same way. Hmm, what I found with, with Dark Souls um, was that I was doing everything, especially in Dark Souls 2. But I had a really good bow. I had a really good one-hand melee and a good shield. I had a good um, heavy two-hand weapon and then pyromancy. Yeah. Well, even with the way magic works, like melee combat is still unavoidable. 
Like right. eventually I would argue no. be up in your grill. I, I think you could okay, well, again, I didn't switch to uh, miracles until after I was soul level one hundred and fifty, so meaning I was able to pretty much respect my character however I wanted. Um but once I was magic, I honestly <laughs> do not use uh melee at all. Um, I still have a shield. Was this just for boss fights, or was no. it in actual areas? Because the number of spell uses I had of... So, again, details, but lesser lightning and then greater lightning was like 12 of greater and 24 of lesser, and then 6 of the sun special lightning spell. So, pretty much before I got to a bonfire, I could destroy whatever came my way, because you could almost one-shot anything with the That's miracles and then you can also have those um uh, herbs that in- refresh your spell uses which you can buy at a certain point or farm so right. i would say yes it's a melee series but at least in dark souls 2 if you know what you're doing and you have the equipment for it like you reinforce your equipment to benefit miracles so you have more powerful miracle spells you can just get through the game as a magic caster easy well, Demons has tracks for both Miracles and for Spellcasters. Uh-huh. That there, at the end of the game, there is that nuclear option spell <laughs> Yeah, that you can essentially one-shot uh, some bosses. It takes off a significant part of your MP, so if you miss that shot, you're kind of boned. Yeah. But it is kind of an intense moment the first time you just walk up to some guy, or not really walk up, more like roll around some guy <laughs> who looks like he wants to hurt you, and you just cast like Firestorm or something. It's just like a huge column of fire appears around him, and then you just watch his health bar like shoot down to zero. Firestorm is essential if you're going to play Pyromancer in Dark Souls 2. There's a boss. Um, did you fight? Did you do all the, the Dark Covenant stuff, Aaron? Uh, yeah, I did. I did all of that. Okay, so you remember that boss at the very bottom of that chasm? Uh, what was his name? I think it was, like, not the Grave Lord, but, like, something similar <laughs> dark, to Cheesy. Dark Lord dark guy. Lord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lord Dark Lord. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, he's a, he's actually a direct callback to one of the final bosses from Dark Souls. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Uh, and I, that was the one time in the game where I did not... I, I prioritize using spells over melee just because I yeah. feel like the game is so finely tuned for melee combat, especially in PvP where I you never see a primary spellcaster. That's true. Just because you'll get wrecked. Yeah. But um, but yeah, that was a it was a it was a good challenge, and I didn't feel inclined to respect, even though I, you know I had some urges here and there to just say you know screw it, I'm going to start over here with mm-hmm. this guy. But um, I I feel like this is a game I play because I want to do it the right way, whatever that means for me. I think that's and... a good way to say it. Um, I, yeah. as the opposite of you guys, in every RPG, I end up <laughs> playing a sword and board type player or mm-hmm. melee. Even in fucking uh, Fallout, I was a melee really? character. <laughs> uh, with, you were the one guy. Yeah, the one guy with really low intelligence. And uh, <laughs> But yeah, um, so I love melee. I like it because my my ideal character in RPGs, Dungeons and Dragons, whatever, is always like a paladin type, um, defensive, maybe some magic, but mostly melee. And in Dark Souls two, I should say that I got through most of the game. It's just melee uh, with a shield, so it was fun, and I did enjoy the melee part. 
I think what pushed me to follow the advice of some people and go straight miracles, even though I still can uh, be proficient with melee, is I wanted to basically tell the game, suck it for all the times it killed me, for all the cheap crap it pulled. I wanted to feel like I was winning for once and taking advantage of the game <laughs> through the system. I, You know how I got that, how I attained that feeling? How? By putting my summon sign down in front of the final boss in Dark Souls 2 for about three hours and just destroying it <laughs> over and over. And I just got so many, you know, the rewards are awesome for that. And I just basically would, I, I can fight the last boss now without getting hit every time. And it's kind of a good feeling. I, I suppose Demons actually kind of rewards you in that the second to last boss is cheap as hell. And just, I hate him so much. I hate him. I hate him so much. I had to play him so many times. <laughs> And, oh, God, I never want to do that again. But the actual, like, last boss of the game, like, I, I would use boss in quotes, is this shriveled up little pile of nothing that you basically stab a few times and then he's dead. Like, it's very much like, I deserve this poke. <laughs> yeah, and I'm kind of felt that same way with the final boss, which I don't know if we're really that worried about spoilers. If somebody's listening to a podcast about the Souls games, but the Queen, she mm -hmm. goes down pretty easily with just Miracle spells. So that felt... that I think maybe that's intentional by the developers. I don't know. Or if it's just that some builds do better against dark uh, magic. It, it felt like a great culmination of all the stuff you go through as a player to get there, all the deaths, all of the invasions. And then you can kind of wrap it up with not an unchallenging battle, but it's still... Um, easier perhaps than the uh, yeah. remembering the move patterns of other bosses. It's not as frantic. I would actually argue that the two guys you fight before the final boss. Um, oh yeah, the uh, the big shield soldier guardian. Yeah, and, yeah, and the caster. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think it's interesting how the game handles that final challenge because Dark Souls I thought had a really tough final boss. It could have just been the way I expect, but mm -hmm. uh, also the fact that. Every time you go and fight him, you have to go through a five-minute sequence where you just fight, like, ten Black Knights in a row. Oh, these man. These giant dudes with massive weapons that can just wreck you. Yeah. So I got that part down, but then the boss fight was such a pain in the ass every time. And, of course, it's playing this, like, really soft, emotive piano music the whole time. You're like, really? Like, this is what you're going to play? Like, I'm supposed to feel sad for killing this person? Yeah. Um, Soundtrack by well, Sarah McLaughlin. the story, like... A lot of the bosses are a lot of the characters in the game that they are tragic figures. It's... Yeah, that's true. Right. And actually, I think that's a big part of why I like the lore so much is it's not these one-dimensional characters who are, like, very, you know, cut and dry laid out. This person's evil or, like, whatever. It's, like, something really shitty happened to this world, and the people who survived in it are, you know, not the same as they used to be. Yeah, I've, I've enjoyed the themes from what I've seen of each world, uh knowing Dark Souls 2's Drang Lake more. Um, how... Same place as Lordran. Okay, that's Just right. Different, different era. Mm -hmm. So I like how the worlds seem to be a case of the good guy's already lost. Stuff's already happened. It's not that you are the hero who is preventing um, mass extinction of people and death and, and sickness it's like you're coming there as a traveler when it's already messed up. And that's better to me than having the same rote story over and over. Uh, like uh, I think Tyler mentioned at the beginning, 
there's not a lot of plot anyway, but what plot is there, you just kind of feel like you're trying to change a world that's already gone bad and it's already sick. Be kind of like if Shepard arrived after the Reapers already destroyed Earth. I play that game. Yeah. <laughs> He'd wipe that smug expression <laughs> off his face forever. Yeah. Be God. super bleak, man. I do think though that the way the game the way the game doesn't hold your hand with its mechanics or how to really master combat or survive, it also doesn't hold your hand with how the story is told. And mm-hmm. I think that um that's the temptation that a lot of games, I think, are afraid that players just won't get what's going on unless they get into extensive cutscenes, offer these, you know, supplemental codex or, <laughs> you know, informational, you know, screens. Like every Bioware game goes overboard with that stuff. Right. And uh, in this case, like unless you're reading IM descriptions and really hunting for this stuff and piecing together, you know, what happened, what's going on, what the history of this place is, you're not going to get the whole story, but the more you play it, I think the more naturally you're inclined to pursue that. And right. um, from a design perspective and from a storytelling perspective, I think that's a really underutilized uh, technique. In you games. know, speaking of Bioware, one thing that always frustrates me completely, and it's not super connected to the Souls games, but it frustrates me, especially as far as the role playing, like the dialogue stuff, like how one dimensional that is. Like it's usually just like choose this answer for good, choose this answer for bad, rinse, wash, repeat for every conversation you have during the game. Your, your consequences don't matter if you want to go like this hardcore red build or if you want to go this hardcore blue build, and just, just choose these answers. And if you want to sleep with this person, then just always choose the blue answer. I would like to see an RPG that's like the Demon Souls of relationships, where it was just like. If you say the one wrong thing, it's like, you're fucked. I don't ever want to see you again. Get out of my life forever. Just, like, make it somewhat closer to real life. Like, I understand it's a video game, so it has to have, like, choose these answers kind of thing. But just make it, like, super unforgiving, just kind of like real life, where it's just like, I just can't be a dick to you for a while. And then suddenly it's like, actually, I want to sleep with you, so I'm going to be nice. So, yeah. So do you mean, like, taking the mechanics of the Souls games where you can technically kill whoever you want, but it's going to affect you and making that the actual moral gray area in more RPGs, or is that kind of what you're talking about? Well, I'm talking about that and just making it so it's less uh, obvious which answers you need to choose. Like, right. Put yourself in a situation where it's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to say to this person, what they want to hear in this specific situation. I don't know what's going to make them happy or make them like me. Yeah, the and, fact yeah. that red is bad, blue is good is exactly the example of Western RPGs or really other RPGs holding our hands. I mean, it's telling us like a laugh track what the Here's appropriate response is. Here's how you make a moral is. decision. Yeah. <laughs> Here's how you do it. Just touch the red thing. Click the red and thing. And I know Obsidian makes really fun but really broken games, but I'm really disappointed that Bioware didn't learn seemingly anything from Knights of the Old Republic 2 because that was a game where it's your conversations with other people on your team could affect your relationships with other people. Like you'd be having this conversation with one character and you'd make certain decisions. Then someone else would call you out in your shit later. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, a... I don't doubt that Bioware just knew about it, but didn't care. Cause I imagine if RPG makers are in high school, like Bioware's the, the, um, the jock superstar, uh, and then, 
<laughs> Obsidian's JV, and they kind of pass in the hall, and Bioware just flips him a look and, like... Shoulder checks him. Hey, asshole. Yeah. And then... Pushes him in a locker. From Software is the really weird Japanese exchange student. Just kind of shows up. <laughs> RPG high. Let's yeah. make that game. <laughs> oh, God. I would play that. So where do you guys think... Do, do you think... Uh, so if... Bloodborne is the next Souls game, which, for those who don't know, got kind of announced uh, early as Project Beast and then showed up at Sony's uh, conference because it's exclusive to the PS4. It's from software and kind of a combination with some of the Demon Souls uh, element of Sony involvement. And do you think there's going to be more of a story there? Do you think the mechanics are going to be vastly different? What do you think the future of the Souls series is if that's the next game? I mean, the program, the game lead is the game lead for the first two Souls games. So I don't think you're going to see a huge difference in terms of the way they tell the story. From what I've heard so far, it plays slightly differently. It's not explicitly like, this is Dark Souls 3. It's it's a little bit more offensive based. Uh, I haven't Mm. seen anyone talking about like shields. Uh, Apparently the guns change up things a lot, but it's not, it's not a shooter. I mean, we're talking guns in terms of, like, early 20th century, late 19th century, where it's like, you're not going to be firing off a lot of shots. Like, you got right. a chance. It's like a blunderbuss. you bus. do specific things with your guns where you can kind of slow someone down or open someone up for hits with your sword, but yeah. you're not going to be just rolling through the game just, like, headshotting everybody. Hmm. Yeah, I get the sense it's, it's effectively a crowd control uh, weapon. Sort of like the shields could be in uh, the Souls games, or even a little bit like what? Devil May Cry. Yeah, um, yeah. Or I was honestly thinking like, there's got, the... there was some game I played with like a gun and a sword. It was probably Final Fantasy <laughs> Dishonored. <sighs> no. If there know. is a way to build towards like a gun-focused character, I'll figure that out. <laughs> yeah, art. Is the does anybody know if the protagonist is a sole protagonist? Like, are we playing just one person in the game in this Victorian horror game, as it's being called? I don't, I don't know, know if they've shown enough to. I, yeah. I, I haven't seen any mention of like a character editor, but it's still kind of early. Yeah, I do get a sense though. Um, it, it it does seem like thematically, it's more than just a passing resemblance to the Souls games. It is a you know the name is a complete departure, but. With the same director, the same developer, and the same relationship with Sony that Demon's Souls had and still has, it's still exclusive to PS3, um, I think it, it it's... Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that game exists and becomes... You know, it could be good, but I, I would be shocked if they abandoned the Souls series, which is multi-platform, building a big brand name. Right. And we'll well, Namco, so. they, they won't let anyone abandon the Souls franchise because those games do well sure so even, like, even if from i don't know if from controls the ip or not I mean, that was the yeah, whole issue know. with uh demon souls is that sony owns that ip right i'm That's kind of surprised that they didn't call this like dark souls 2 or dark or not dark demon souls 2 or demon souls colon bloodborne but it, it's a very like from software a very kind of japanese move to like be like oh no we're just gonna let this be its own brand or be its own thing and speak for itself yeah, good for them. I'm sick of games with six words in their title. <laughs> and two colons. Or six numbers. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, I guess my question for you guys then would be, you know, I think we can agree that this game has been a success uh, worldwide, probably greater than a lot of people would have predicted, just given the way that most other big name AAA $60 games have developed over the last, you know, four or five years. Um, there's it's exciting to watch because it's not Call of Duty, because it didn't have like the massive day one sales. It was yeah. Just... It was it really grew. interesting to watch it have this slow build from like thing people were whispering about to like yeah now Demon Dark Souls Two is out and people are shouting about it. Yeah, it's it's been really fun to watch for me too, uh, from that perspective. Just because I think we live in a, a culture now where we kind of feel less powerful about to dictate like what's a, what's a hit and what's not. Even you know with the rise of social media, etc. Um, you, you look at something like E three and a lot of the stuff you see coming out. Not always the most exciting stuff, but very predictable because, you know, the people who set these expectations kind of control these things. And, yeah, there's going to be a new Halo game. It's probably not going to be any different from the last one. So it was kind of cool to see the series um, really by word of mouth and by, you know, votes of confidence from friends grow and grow. Um, I'm wondering what we think its legacy is going to be five years from now. Like, are we going to see a whole shift in AAA development towards making, you know, more challenging deeply technical games are we going to see uh people try and fail to capture that same appeal um do you think it's gonna be some combination something else entirely tyler i don't know if you'll see a big change uh in the west because their patterns are still working i don't think bioware or uh bethesda has a lot of incentive change to make games towards that more hardcore base because i think that in the grand scheme of things when you're selling millions upon millions when you're talking like uh, eight digits, like they, the hardcore isn't going to give them that boost. They want that broad mass appeal. But for the Japanese developers who are struggling with these these action games, the ones who are making uh, games for a very particular audience, like they might be going more in a Souls direction because they don't have the budgets of someone like Bioware because to make that massive sprawling. Uh, blockbuster RPG. So they're going to mm-hmm. make a game for a more specific audience that wants to play a specific sort of game. I think that's going to do well for them. I want to, um, I pretty much agree with, uh, Tyler, but I want to be optimistic. So I'm going to predict two things are going I to happen. Pessimistic. No, 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 no. Like I want to be, I want to believe that it is going to, the Souls games are going to completely change how RPGs are made, but I know that's not going to happen. So what I think will happen, and I don't believe that these are influenced by the Souls games, so what I imagine are three different trajectories of RPGs, um, and it could be based regionally, but we're going to have, thanks to the emergence of Kickstarter and the resurgence of computer RPG classic games like the Torment Tides of Numenera Kickstarter, um, Wasteland 2, and the Pillars of Eternity from Obsidian, we're going to see perhaps more of a focus on involving the classic narrative and classic party systems, uh, maybe not in the form after these three computer Kickstarter games come out, um, but we're going to see Western RPGs maybe adopt some of that classic uh, going forward because those three games, if they're successful, will probably be a huge disruptive thing. I think games like Dark Souls and then Bloodborne will continue to be their own thing. They will be Japanese or a little bit different 
incorporating more, uh, or I should say less hand-holding, more hardcore gimmicks, uh, gameplay, whatever, and be skill-based RPGs that perhaps leave a vagueness of the world and don't have necessarily a central protagonist that spills everything out that you customize to be yourself. Um, and then I think we're going to see on the third and probably more of the Western RPG element, um, more open world RPGs, because look at the success of Skyrim and even obviously Oblivion and Morrowind before it. But, uh, the fact that Dragon Age Inquisition, the next one coming up this October has gone open world. Uh, the Witcher three has gone open world. Even Zelda. Even Zelda has gone open world. And the I think tech- all these games have different ideas of what open world entails, though. I would not say the Souls games are open world in the same way that something like Skyrim is. Well, no, that's... Sure. Yeah, I think that's that's the thing. We're going to see three different types of RPGs going forward, and the Souls stuff will continue down its own trajectory, kind of independent from everything. But just what I was going to add with the open world element is we're even going to see and starting to see developers support that more with there was a demo at um e3 by square enix for technology called project flare that is supposed to be able to generate without any sort of visual lag or pop-in lag uh 32 by 32 kilometers 17 times the size of skyrim uh forests rivers enemies mountains that's the technology they're working on to license as a third-party thing that's an open world element and i'm we're gonna see Final way Fantasy more of that. 13-4. yeah 13-4. lightning returns again <laughs> lightning's still here uh um, lightning strikes twice <laughs> <laughs> you should uh pitch that to them yeah well it sounds like they're out of ideas if they're just licensing text so. yeah so that's i mean that's pretty much what we're gonna see I, I don't think souls and the elements that it entails are going to change rpgs as a whole but i think that uh it will still exist for sure in five years. You'll you'll definitely see influences. There are more than enough people in the game industry that are head over heels for games like Demon Souls. Like if you I would be shocked if you didn't see it uh, at least elements of the Souls games making their way into other RPG, uh, other franchises, especially RPGs. What yeah. Maybe not to belabor it, but what elements do you think would be there that aren't already part of RPGs, because I don't see the mass market RPGs, even if Demons and Dark Souls games are doing well, incorporate the hardcore element. I I still see it being more story-based RPGs, and those will continue as is from people like Bethesda and Bioware. I think what we could see are two things, uh, especially in the West. Um, A move back towards environmental immersion and exploration without, you know, tons of HUD and quest pop-ups and all this stuff that kind of fell back into um, single player RPGs from the MMO world mm-hmm. uh, more of an emphasis on when you go to a new area you're not immediately checking your quest log to see where the icon is to go it's kind of just leaving you more up to like okay you know you're supposed to be here figure out what to do I, I think we could see a little bit more of like a you figure it out approach to at least sequences and games if not the entire thing yeah, yeah I uh, agree with Nick I think that that's the thing that a lot of especially developmental people take away is that it's just Finally, stepping back from the way we're building towards like the super handholdy, like go here, do this thing, uh, and that constant reminder, like, oh, this is where you're going to do this thing. Don't forget. Yeah. So once they kind of re- reduce that to be a more subtle approach, I think it'll work. And also, I could see a lot of uh, games and a lot of RPGs, uh, including the kind of social elements that the Souls games brought. Yeah. 
I'm surprised we haven't seen that aped more at this point. Although I know Watch Dogs has a similar invasion mode, which is interesting. You guys have heard about that, right? Or mm-hmm. I guess you've probably seen it, Aaron. Yeah, and it really sucks. <laughs> I think I, I think I hate <laughs> it more than in Dark Souls. Oh, jeez, I love it wah, in Dark wah. Souls. I've learned to love it. I've learned to love the pain of dying. Yeah, at least with that, you pretty much see a silhouette, and they're always coming straight for you because it's the nature of combat. In Watch Dogs, they can hide behind a park bench uh, two levels above you like an asshole and then hack your phone, and you never know they're there. <laughs> yeah, It's terrifying in Demon's Souls, too, when you get that message, you have been invaded. It's like, oh god, from where? <laughs> where are they coming from? It's always worth it when you manage to stun someone and then kick them off a bridge, though. <laughs> I did that once. It was the it was the best feeling. The most 300 <laughs> Sparta moment you've ever had. Yeah. I don't know, man. That first time I finally like figured out parrying. That was yeah. an incredible feeling where it's just like, block, move your sword out of the way, stab you straight in the gut. Just like, yeah. I'm going to rip out all of your entrails right now. And then <laughs> pull it out and they just fall to their knees. It's like, yep, you're done. Later, yeah. buddy. It's just, yeah. There's something about that combat, that the feel of that combat, how technical, how real-time, and like how do-or-die it is, that I think could, be, could also be something that uh, other game makers especially rpg makers try to adopt well when you get to the end of those games like you really do feel kind of kind of weather kind of beaten down by the yeah. game mm-hmm. it reminds me of those action movies where you have like the soldier or that's just been like through all these gunfights at the end he's just like has this like scowl on his face and he's all like dirty from being like having explosions going off around him <laughs> being shot at yeah. He just has no time for anyone's shit anymore. It's just like I'm. I just. I just want to finish this. I'm done. Just let's. Yeah. Let's do this. I. I don't care about you. I don't care about your families. That's how I felt. I'm sure after all of you are maybe. All of you henchmen are probably great fathers at home, but right now I'm on a mission, so I'm just gonna blast you. Yeah, I couldn't help but think, uh, as I was close to being Dark Souls two, that once I was done, I was gonna retire from gaming, go to my farmhouse, uh, raise a family, just try to live a peaceful life as a farmer. And just stop after that. And I'm then not sure you pick a whole up lot of newspaper and it says uh, <laughs> Demon or Dark Souls Three is released, and you're just like, God damn it, they did it again. <laughs> you leave a note on the kitchen counter, walk out the door, come back two weeks later, a changed person. <laughs> they need me. <laughs> <laughs> Thousand yard stare. All right, guys. Uh, anything else here before we wrap things up? Yeah, I think your dog's telling us to leave. So uh, that would be the neighbor's dog. Well, your neighbor's dog has obviously heard enough. He is an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> he probably just got PPP'd to death. Yeah. He's your next boss. How do you how do you defeat the dog? Maybe backstabbing will work. Dog souls. They don't go to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> dog souls. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> Alright. Thanks guys once again for joining. Good discussion. Um it's uh it's a hell of a hell of a series. I think we all will bear, bear the scars for years to come. But what can you do? <laughs> Just put some you uh, have... shea butter on that on those uh, scar tissues. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We'll actually have a podcast on how to properly care for scars, physical and mental. <laughs> you have died of dysentery. All right, thanks, guys. Thank you. Goodbye. Thanks.